0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to, to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please, Umpire, is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95-mile-an-hour bowling, England-playing, World Cup-winning Northumberland-hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind, both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen gog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers.
0: Hello, and welcome to Stop. Hammer time, and it's a back to, it's a nostalgic uh, stop, hammer time, going back to the time when we would effortlessly lose two games in a row and then talk about it on the podcast. And uh, here to go back to a, a more innocent uh, time are, uh, as always, Jim Grant. Hello, Jim. Good evening. Everything all right?
2: Yeah, very good. Yeah. It's much better, isn't it? Losing and, uh, and you know, it's much <laughs> It's, I'm back in my comfort zone now.
0: Comfortingly familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, yes. Also joining us this week, it's uh, one of our favourite guests. It is, it is journalist, uh, a broadcaster, podcaster, author, presenter, Sam Delaney.
3: Hello, everyone. Uh, I it, always forget to mention, you say podcaster, but I do do a West Ham podcast called You Irons. That's right, yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
3: I, I, I feel like I should mention because you know you, your audience is West Ham fans. Yes, this, this is an excellent West Ham podcast. That it is. I feel I've been part of the Stop Hammer Time family from very early stage. Yeah. But you, but there, you, if you ever think if you've listened to this week's Stop Hammer Time and you're sort of like, I still am hungry for more West Ham content in my ears, then give you Irons a, a go that's a u as in the letter u yes the letter u irons. it's for it's done by i it, it, i'm in the employ of the athletic which yes. is the you know uh fo- well, football website simple as that really
0: and you do it with another guy roshan
3: Roshane. roshaine thomas who is their west ham correspondent
1: right so right.
3: he's he's got a brilliant job young roshan he's a really good journalist and his job is just full time only writing about West Ham. Right. Full-time job. And it's like, that's how they work it at The Athletic. They have a different the individual full-time correspondent for every club, which means that you get, you know, dedicated. If you subscribe, you get dedicated content emailed to you every day just about your team.
0: So they is must is be furious that that Super League didn't happen because then they'd only have to do 12. They'd only well, have 12 the
3: of th- them. The thing is, I only like... West Ham related stuff. Like I've just, I don't really care about any other football anymore. I'm sure you guys feel the same, but it's just other football is boring to me. And I can only, it used to be good football. Uh, It might be that I've got older or maybe just the game really does stink for reasons that we'll probably get into because it's quite Mm. a pertinent moment. But the game just stinks, doesn't it? And But watching West Ham is enjoyable, especially this season. But um, I, that's why I quite like the athlete because, you know, I'm not, I don't, I, when I was when I was a younger man, I used to devour the football pages of the newspapers every day. I loved it all. Now I couldn't give a toss. I, and I feel that's more common. I feel that a lot of people feel that way about just, they're just into their own club and that's it. Do you think I mean, that's, that's true? true? I, wonder, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just anecdotally. Yeah. Un- when I say this to people, people say, oh, I'm the same, mate. I'm not, don't really. I mean, you kind of, you pick it up, don't you, through osmosis? The other stuff that's going on in the footballing world, and obviously we all became engaged in the Super League for Argo because that actually was something that you know you you kind of felt compelled to be quite passionate about. But on the whole, nah, you now yeah, I, I sort of know what's going on. But I think
2: I probably agree with that. But I think I've always been a bit that way inclined mm. really that, that I'm, I'm a west ham fan rather than a, a football, football fan in the kind of broad sense although i enjoy the experience of going to watch live football matches yeah. um and obviously west ham but you know phil and i we occasionally go and watch bromley um which is the town where we grew up and um you know when i was when i had fewer sort of family commitments i would i, I would like or if i was just on holiday some you know one part of the country I used to quite like taking in a random game.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to like that as well. I used to go... Well, with- when
0: I lived in Leighton, Jim, we used to go and watch yeah, Leighton quite a lot because uh, Bob Mills, who at the time was a friend of mine on from the comedy scene, uh, in fact, I, th- I don't think we knew he went until we sort of bumped into him. And, uh, and then uh, sometimes I go with you, sometimes I go with Millsy and, uh, and because I could just walk to the game. And also it was like six quid to get in in, in sort <laughs> of that 1989 to nineteen 1990- ninety. Three, well, some time memorable time. moments there. We we saw
2: yeah. Peter Shilton's thousandth game.
3: Yeah, what he was playing for Orient
2: was he it? He was playing for Orient against amazing. Brighton, I think.
0: Uh, I think basically a-, a club gave him a contract because they knew that his thousandth yeah, game yeah. would crop up during his sort of tenure there and that club, yeah, Orient. Because it was Barry Home's mm-hmm. that day. They Sorry? they probably doubled their gate that day. Oh
2: yeah, almost well, quite a crowd yeah. in, wasn't there?
0: but you um you Jim always seem to have a kind of you know working knowledge of like who players for other teams are not just premiership teams if we get a team in one of the cups you seem to know who a few of their players are do you just soak that up from the back pages of the yeah I think
2: I just kind of read the sports pages just sort of keep abreast of stuff occasionally when I can't find anything else to watch like sky sports news just kind of farts about in the background of my living room um and you kind of read the ticker tape things that go across yeah just to, you know um so yeah you pick stuff up but I, I you know i'm not i don't clear the decks to watch kind of barcelona versus versus real madrid or, Well, yeah you know. what, what,
3: what about at the weekend right when there was the league cup final City yeah versus I could give Spurs. A class. but yeah of course i didn't watch it i no. guess you wouldn't have watched it no one no one really watched it. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if was some Spurs and City fans couldn't be bothered. But I remember when I was a kid, the Milk Cup final, as it was. Then yeah, 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 Big deal. Like you yeah. def- When I was a kid, I would have. You know, it was like yeah, it was second only to the FA Cup. I mean, now I'd probably be. I'd be unlikely to watch the FA Cup.
2: Yeah, no, I don't anymore. It's been. I mean, it's been. Rude. Phil was talking the other week about the excitement of FA Cup Day when you were a kid getting yeah. up in the morning and the, mm. you know following them at the team hotels and then cup final it's a knockout and uh, all the kind of, power of it, it was like a uh, a real red letter day in, in the year you look forward to it
3: you know oh it was like it was an event A cup final day was genuinely genuinely second only to christmas day yeah, yeah i, I agree. agree in terms of like the the sense of national just general widespread excitement. I mean, in the build-up to FA Cup, we, we would do activity, FA Cup-related activities at school that week. Yes. <laughs> it mean like you would for Christmas? You'd be making FA yeah. Cup artwork and decorations and whatever. It was enormous. And yeah. now, I couldn't tell you who was in the Cup final last year. I think this year, it's Leicester versus Chelsea, it which is actually something. is yeah. quite good, because you usually, it's like these Super League clubs... You just think it's so tedious, it, it kind of brought it, it home to me how tedious it was. Football for with the super league because I thought, God, do you know what? Good, there was a moment where I thought it was going to happen. I thought, do you know what? Good riddance to them, I because, agree, because I thought it's so boring. And in the 80s, when I was first into football, I know it was even more the case in the 70s when you old timers will uh, be familiar with the uh, <laughs> football of those of that era, but in the 80s, for me, it was like. It, i suppose liverpool and everton were dominant right but the fa cup in particular was always really exciting because you'd get west ham coventry watford wimbledon all these other clubs uh getting you know going on runs and it would be a really big deal if they reached the final and won it palace yeah and and uh, and the league yeah. was interesting and now all this the reason we don't remember who was in the cup final is because it's always a combination of like City, United, Arsenal, Chelsea or Liverpool. It's really dull. Nobody cares, you know, and it's so repetitive. And the only real highlight that you can remember in recent years where there was something really exciting and thrilling happened was when Leicester won the league. Yeah. And as soon yeah. as they did, you know, Chelsea and City just swarmed in with their foreign billions and basically... Just all their players. Yeah. That squad. You know, yeah, yeah. and it's just something, um, and that's why I was, for football for so many reasons stinks. And I thought, wouldn't it? Be, I, I just started thinking, wouldn't it be great if there was a league season where it, you know, the clubs competing were these enormous, re, um, enormous clubs who you could argue are as big as a lot of those Super League clubs anyway. You know, you look at teams like Newcastle and Aston Villa and Leeds United, these are clubs from enormous cities with yeah. massive passionate followings and big, big stadiums, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, Everton, right? That, that yeah. lot, Everton, us, bloody brilliant. What a league season that would be, wouldn't it?
0: Well, that was, you know, like, we were talking a little bit last week about, I mean, remember, Jim, so years ago, you sort of positing the idea that there might eventually be some sort of closed circuit league with no relegation and no promotion. And, and what you were saying was that it would probably, it would be more likely to have the traditionally, Big clubs, in terms not of their money, but their sort of supportership. So mm. it would be Leeds and Forest and mm. Wednesday and those sort of big, although traditionally uh, teams teams that have had a, a big crowd come to see. Yeah, the, big, the,
3: city, big, big city, yeah, big city teams as well. Clubs, you know, yeah. but but the thing is, is that what's stupid? What what I think is in informal because it, this won't go away. I don't. Know. I think Super League. That notion—if there was that much money behind it, there were people willing to put billions—these clubs like Real Madrid <laughs> and who are skint are not just going to walk away. Yeah, and be, oh yeah, well, yeah. we tried. Oh well, never mind, right? These—this is a big companies who are in huge debt and they yeah, are yeah. fighting for their lives, right? And and the likes of United, Spurs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, the Italian clubs—they'll they'll do whatever it takes. And so it will come back. But the the problem they've got is is that they think, oh, yeah, it's really short sight and it shows a misunderstanding of football because they think we're the clubs. These clubs are the ones that have the big global following and the millions of fans in places like China and Thailand and India and all of this, right? So that's all that matters. But what they don't understand is that football uh, is completely fluid, right? In the 60s, before Shankly took over, Liverpool were a small provincial club who yo-yoed between... The divisions, you know, and then you've got clubs like Chelsea and City who've come from nowhere because of foreign billions coming into the game. But the reason the game is exciting is because those things can happen, you know. Yeah. And if yeah. you just say, well, we're drawing a line under that now forever. So whoever happens to be at this exact moment, the teams who have the most global attention, right, they're the ones who are this league. That league becomes boring, so if leeds united or west ham or or villa or whoever bloody southampton or norwich suddenly start to be very successful in the remaining english league it will be those teams that start yeah, getting yeah. a following in you know they'll just move on these te- these these um fans in foreign countries they follow whoever is exciting at the time. My mate, who's a West Ham fan, lived in Thailand for 10 years. He said, Oh, I said, Do they all, is it true they're all wearing United shirts? Are they? He goes, No, they all West Leicester shirts now because yeah. the bloke there is Thai, Thai owned. But before that, they wore city shirts. He goes, It changes every couple of years, depending on who's won the league, basically. It's, yeah,
2: um, it's, uh, it's, this... it's, sorry, on, you know. well, I was going to say it's childish. Mm. I mean, that's what kids do. I mean, you know, kids support because they don't like be, having the piss taken out of them by their mates for sporting a mm-hmm. shit team. They support the successful team. So, like, there are loads of people of our generation, Phil, who are Leeds United fans, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and but and they my generation, no they're all Liverpool Leeds fans. At yeah. all, all. Liverpool. So, so many kids um, but, uh, of but, my
3: age support Liverpool, yeah.
2: But they've stuck with it, you know. So I've got a very yeah. good friend who's a Leeds fan from the 1973 Cup final when everybody wanted Sunderland to win, and he perversely kind of, you know, said, Well, in that case, I'm going to support Leeds, but he stayed with it. And of course, you know, he's been uh, following Leeds all through their shit times, um, whereas, uh, you know, those Far Eastern fans, they're just permanent children in that that aspect. But but, but,
0: it's, it's, you know, the notion that uh, that European Super League is sort of predicated on that idea that um, it's, um, you know, young people. I've been to Kuala Lumpur for, you know, quite a few times. And on a Saturday night, because it's it's at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, it's three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in England. So they get live Premier League games, which they're showing in nightclubs, because it's 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. And the girls are, you know, dressed up to the nines. And the blokes have got really nice kind of Trousers and shoes, and then a Chelsea top. Uh, <laughs>
3: they go out on that's Saturday, horrible. And that's,
0: you know, I mean, that, that's sort of, you know, that's fine in a way. They're, you know, they're fair weather fans that support one thing or the other. But the idea that the European Super League is predicated on that mm. is... Crazy, you go, there's not enough of them. And I think the idea that you know someone that's that's uh supports um you know Atalanta, if Atalanta aren't in uh the Super League, they'll go, Oh well, I'll watch this game between Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur. I don't think they will. And no. similarly, West Ham fans aren't gonna go, I love football, I just love football for the concept of football, yeah. and so I will watch uh you know Manchester City play like Barcelona yeah. on on a Sunday night.
3: I you don't know, give a fuck, you know. The fairy tale of ever, ever, all this stuff, right, is you waiting. You need big clubs, but the, 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 the part they play in, in the narrative of football, for those of us who are, you know, neutral in a game they're involved in, is to sort of, for you to support whoever they're playing against. Right?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So what I mean is, is that United are, you know, arguably the best supported club on the planet. Right. Certainly in this country, they are the best supported team in this country. Right. But the majority of people watching a United game are not United fans. Right. And the idea that the team they're playing against might get one over on them is what makes football really exciting and engaging. And the fact that it happens not regularly, but it happens more often than that sort of thing would happen in most other sports, you know, is what makes football. Amazing and beautiful. And it is that it's those kind of principles and, and those narratives that built football to the status it's at and has been for many years as the, the world's favorite sport, the most popular sport, arguably the most popular form of entertainment in the world. And so the guys who then got involved in that and thought, well, we'll get involved in that because it's so popular, it's got to be worth money. They've looked in and they thought, what if we what if we could monetize this by stripping back all of the things that actually made it originally uh, popular? Because that's yeah, yeah. What basically what they're doing. Yeah. It's the yeah, maddest it business idea of all time. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's like, I'm going to buy Coca-Cola, but we've realized it's easier to just remove the sugar <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take the sugar out of Coca-Cola. I'm gonna buy it for a billion pounds, then remove the sugar from it. People will still buy it because he looks the same. You know? It's well,
0: it's just, like when you <laughs> see, you know, it's like those when you see sort of a successful novel or a successful film, and someone uh some company basically just changes the DVD box or the book cover of a book yeah. they've got to make it look a bit like that yeah. film. It's yeah, like they've trick seen people. They've yeah. seen the surface of what they think people like about football, and they're thinking that they that's could it. replicate that. But everything that's under the surface of the water of the iceberg of football supportership, uh, yeah. they've completely disregarded. I do that's exactly I do...
3: right, and that's exactly how you've put it is spot on. And that is like, yeah, a reflection of the fact that the people behind this idea cannot be football fans because it doesn't take. It takes neither. You know, it doesn't take a huge amount of intelligence to understand this. And it doesn't even involve you being, like, you know, the world's biggest football fan. It just involves you being a football fan to understand the things that make football good, you know. And so these people must have no knowledge whatsoever. And that's why I suspect that this is all driven, certainly if not by actual Americans, but certainly by an American mentality. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like... Like someone once said, "How can I possibly make? Uh, how can I make a business out of something where you can be relegated? It makes a sense, yeah. and that's true. You can't. It doesn't. It means you can't plan for anything really with any security whatsoever." Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know that's why football is a sport and not ultimately a business. However hard people try, you can't make it a pure business. You can't make it conform to the principles of business in a pure sense no, without ruining. The very essence of what makes it popular. So, it, really, from a businessman's point of view, it's a complete catch twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Go on. Go on no, go on, Jim. Well, I, I, I was
2: going to say, sort of, and ironically, what what all the huge mega billions of money that's gone into it, and all the all the money they've the uh, the billionaires have, have pumped into the the game, has ended up with a, an unsustainable business model.
3: Yes, so exactly. that's
2: part of the problem. I mean, they're, they're, that's they're, what's mad about it. They're saying, Oh, football's broken. We really need to, we really need to. Well, it's broken because you fucking well broke it. That's why I know. And you're
0: what I love about it is last week, didn't the we, millions we? We millions on ages, this point you know. Last week is kind of going, You know, we can't make enough, we can't make the amount of money out of football that we want to make. And you go, Well, that's just the amount of fucking money. Yeah, there is. Exactly. You know, You, you can't. (laughs) If you have a news agent, you can't kind of go. Is there any way we could sell these Snickers bars for two hundred and (laughs) fifty (laughs) pounds each? No. fucking eighty
3: five. But then what they do, is they go every day is the fucking amount you'll make because you've got a news agent. But the, the other thing is, they go listen, right? Sales of Snickers have gone through the roof recently. We're selling out. So we're thinking of upping the price. And they go, no, you can't. You you have to understand the only reason you're selling 100 Snickers a day is because you're selling them for that price, which is a fair price, 80p or whatever it is, right? And they go, right, okay. So then they go to the bank. They go, hi, we're selling a lot of Snickers. So we want you to lend us a billion pounds so we can invest in loads more Snickers and other things like making our shop bigger and making the roof built of gold. Right. And the bank go, OK, but they go, you don't need to worry about us paying you back because we'll pay you back in increments over 100 years because these snickers are never, ever going to go out of fashion. <laughs> right. So they leverage it. The point is, is that it, it's like you've got a load of money, so you spend more money than you've got. It makes no sense. The random facts when you, you know, I've heard people like Simon Jordan, former football club owners, talk about it and say, you can't, and Alan Sugar, you, you can't ever make money because however much money comes in, you'll always sort of feel obliged or forced to spend more than, than you've got. So we've got currently the Premier League is, is benefiting from the biggest ever television deal, right? Mm. So all these clubs in the Premier League have got crazy money, right? And yet you've got a club like West Ham who are still struggling all the time financially, you know, and it's like, that's not just shit that the ludicrous owners say, you know, the, the accounts and the finances of this club have been made public and you can see, yeah, this is a club that is still suffering from things that happened in the past and, and sort of struggles. Right. And the re, but the reason we struggle, if you look just at, at our case, it seems to me, is that you look at our accounts, last accounts that were published, it's like, it's because we've bought loads of expensive players there will be fans saying, well, no, we haven't, we haven't bought enough. But we did. We bought, we bought a load of overpriced players, right? We paid them at, like extraordinarily high wages, right? And then we sacked managers, right, who we had to pay off as well. And so, however much money we were getting from the huge television deal and all of the sponsorship deals and all of and and the gate receipts that we were getting before COVID in our sixty thousand stadium, right? It doesn't matter because we will always, for some reason, and you know we're not unusual in this. All clubs do it. We will account for like I don't know fifty percent more than we're bringing in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well,
3: Barcelona, and, and, you
0: know, and Barcelona, the, Barcelona have many of the best players in the world and they are a billion euros in debt.
3: Yeah, because <laughs> the owners will always say, though, this is what the owners will say, going back to like some job, they'll go, yeah, but it's because of the fans. And they're right about that. The fans will always be saying, however much you, you spend, the fans will be saying, spend more. So West, we always do this, West Ham fans. We go, right, well, yeah, you, yeah, all right, all right. You bought Felipe Anderson. All right. You bought Sebastian Haller. right? All right, fine. We accept that. But why haven't you also bought the following players, right? And you haven't because you're a disgrace and you're stealing all the money for yourselves and putting it in your own pockets, aren't you? That's what West Ham fans say about the owners. It's what every fan says about the club's owners. They all say, we've got loads of money, but you're keeping the money secret. Right. And you're lying in your own pockets instead of buying loads of players. The truth is, and I'm not defending our owners who I think are awful, but the truth is they are spending all the money and more on yes. things like yes. players and wages. And that's the stupid thing. And actually, what they should do to an extent is just fucking ignore fans a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the problem is, is that if, if they ignore the fans and say, well, we're going to spend with our means, all the other clubs don't. All the other clubs are spending beyond their means, and so you do end up getting relegated. So you can't can't really win, can you? Because if you say we're going to spend within our means, but then even clubs, like small clubs around you, like, I don't know, in Burnley, will be going, oh, we don't care, we're just borrowing loads more money off the bank, and we're going to set that against future TV revenues, and we're going to spend way beyond our means. So then they build better squads. We go down and you lose money. So... It is
0: difficult, I think, in a way. I mean, you know, the team this year. Uh, you know, if if there's any sort of narrative from uh, from the from the media about West Ham, it is that that it's a team of you know players that cost you know. Um, you know, eleven million or seven million or f- mm. five million instead of forty-five, fifty million. Unless yeah. the when they won the division, you know, was sort of yeah, similar. Yeah. Story. And so, I mean, people do see that in action, but it's very—it doesn't take them very long for for a team that you see as a rival. Buying some kind of desirable player that from from the Italian league that became available and spending forty seven million pounds on them and go why didn't we do that why didn't we do that you know and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it is difficult it comes so up it's sort of um, going back to that it does I like I sort of in a funny way I really like that Real Madrid guy who he's a bit like Berlusconi I wonder Laurentino if there is Paris
3: is this,
0: yeah yeah basically know, all yeah. of all of the all of the kind of owners of the you know the six Premier League clubs at least made this kind of um uh, uh made a token nod to apologizing yeah. to them even though they didn't a yeah. me- <laughs> mealy mouthed <laughs> apology but the, the 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 Real Madrid guy is just like you have won this time <laughs> you have won this time <laughs> When you least expect yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the European Super League will strike. <laughs> <laughs>
3: when, when you sleep, when I you sleep in your, in your bed at night,
0: yes. What is that shadow moving in? It? Did you <laughs> hear the sound <laughs> coming from inside the room? It's the
2: European
3: Super League. Yeah, it's watching you. You know, it watches your children and your wife. <laughs> <laughs> you're it's being, very interesting with the European uh, Super
2: way. League. Sounds like Louis Spohr Morte.
3: He'll turn out to be behind is. it, you know. Um, As yeah. I suspected him all along.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is saying though, isn't he, that they're they've all signed binding contracts. So yeah, I yeah. wonder if they are yeah. about to kind of yeah they pull they, Probably doubling
0: down on it. Going it's
2: not sign right. legal. Scrap.
3: All right, maybe I'm an idiot, right? But they're all the the it was said, it was reported that they'd all were going to be given a what was it, three hundred million <laughs> golden handshake signing on fee, right? Yeah. So obviously, obviously, right? Anyone who has ever run any sort of business or just been a freelancer like you and I are Phil, right? Mm-hmm. You get it. You think, fucking hell what? you want me to join this new job and you're going to give me 300 million quid just to sign. And then that's before the actual real money starts flowing in. It's fucking difficult to say no to that. If you are Tottenham Hotspur or Manchester United, right. And you are, you are saddled up to the bollocks with debt, right. Spurs with all that stadium debt and not going to qualify for the champions league this year, you know, and all that sort of stuff. You start, Fucking hell, I just can't be bothered thinking about anything other than just saying yes and getting my hands on that money. Now, yeah. who's putting that money up? I assume, but I might be stupid, that this is a conglomerate of, you know, billion pounds. J.P.
0: Morgan, of, wasn't it? It was sort of going to be underwritten yeah. by J.P. So Morgan. Exactly. One of so, and for things.
3: them, for these sorts of huge finance, finance companies, right, who invest in stuff like this non-stop all around the world, in all sorts of mad tech ideas, right, if someone says... We just need a billion quid to launch this thing. It's And they go, what is it? What industry? Sports. Hmm, don't know. What sport? Soccer. Oh, yeah, that's pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, we think it's got a global audience of a billion, you know, really highly engaged fans. Oh, okay, that's quite cheap. Yeah, we'll give you the money for that. No problem. Right? It's not a big deal. And um, because they throw money like this, these investment companies around all the time. And yeah. then they get a phone call saying, no, um all of the ceos who signed that contract are backing out why because their customers express some like <laughs> concern about it these these investment people are like fuck that there's legal contracts here we will put you out of business we will take you to court we are richer than you we got better lives than you. we'll take it to court and put you out of business mate you've signed up to this i yeah. reckon they've all got together and gone listen lads We're going to have to lie low. Obviously, we can't walk out on this. So just all issue statements say we're not going to do it. Lie low, regroup, think of a better better PR strategy than the one that we used last week, which was the worst PR disaster of all time. And I say that, I actually know the woman who ran it, and she is very clever indeed. And I don't think it was her fault by any means. I think, you know, you can't really run a pr campaign that easily for a product that bad no it's been thrown together with so so little thought but um i think that they're going to regroup and think of some tweaks that they can make and some learnings Mm -hmm. they can take out of people's responses and maybe i would i wouldn't be surprised if what they did was i noticed flores spoke a lot about how ultimately we were doing this to try and give more money back into the game. Right? Uh, uh, a bit fucking vague. It was the second funniest thing he said after his expl- his initial explanation being, well, the problem we've got is, see, the problem we've got is that no one likes football anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you yeah. you might not know this, right? But I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. Oh, I'd love to just carry on with football as is. The problem is everyone hates it. Literally, no one's watching football. That's yeah. why we've had to rethink it right? (laughs) You you should be thanking us. And you're there going, what? (laughs) No one likes it. The kids aren't watching it, mate. Trust me. Yes, they fucking are. Everyone's (laughs) watching, football. you nutter. It's the most popular thing in the whole world. Um, But he's, he's going to regroup, isn't he? And think we're going to come back with something else. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those things might be, we're going to do it, but in order to compensate, we're going to chuck every season a billion quid, or whatever you know at the at the leagues we leave behind. Do you see what yeah, I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, uh, so,
3: the, so the Premier League by letting them. The, so, if you let those six teams stay in the Premier League as well as playing the Super League, which is what they're the Super League will redistribute some of its riches back to the Premier League, and they go right well, every year we're basically loaning clubs off of you to play in our tournament and we will pay you a loan fee of a billion pounds. And the Premier League, you know, money talks to all of these uh, organisations. They go, yeah, we will take that. And they'd have to do the same with Serie A and La Liga and all the rest of it, wouldn't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's why there has to be the, you know, with these reviews and, you know, the the, the way in which the story's gone and, and the there has to be teeth in in any kind of government review and there's got to be bows an opportunity to write into law by either either the the rules of the the league itself or um you know in 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 statute law um uh mechanisms that will stop them uh from from doing this and i think that's the way to punish them really is to is to Say right, you 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 you've you've wanted to destroy <laughs> our league. Uh, we're now going to make you sign up to rules that mean uh, you simply can't do that again. Um, uh, and if we don't do that, then you're right. I think it will come back. I mean, uh, you know, um, but it, it's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for the rest of football
3: to kind of. Uh, you know, claim backs and territory. I I mean, football, really, and I can't see how it happened, but the best thing for football would be to just take its foot off the gas. That You know, not to get philosophical, but the old problem with the world is that there is an obsession with growth for growth's sake. Yes. The way that every country judges itself on its yearly growth in GDP. Why? Do you know what I mean? Everything has to grow. And and we as individuals all become can all too easily become preoccupied with that stuff where you think, what did I do this year? Did I do better than last year or whatever? Accumulate, you know, everyone gets sucked into that into one degree or another, some more than others. And it's just like, that's what's fucking just ruins everything. Is it? Yeah, is well, it's, it's a, a huge it, sort of societal
0: it, thing, isn't it? There's it is, a sort of, you know, the, irrational
3: um, <laughs> preoccupation with growth and football should think football doesn't need to keep getting bigger. In order to still be good. In fact, it would probably improve if it just took its foot off the gas and stopped feeling like everything had to be so bombastic and every squad needed to get five new players on extra wages, on, on bigger and bigger wages every single year. And everyone had to move into a bigger state. Why did Tottenham have to get? I mean, I look at it now, I thought the move to London Stadium was good. I backed it. Now I regret it. And part of it is the part of my support as well i mean we're never going to grow unless we move to a bigger stadium Mm -hmm. now i think and i had some mates who who said this to me at the time and i don't know i probably thought they're so naive about business right or something like that like well why do you why do we need to grow and then it's like well if we don't grow then we can't compete with the other clubs who are as big it's like don't worry about all that we don't you don't have to just keep shooting for the moon the whole time yeah. yeah, well it's difficult,
0: isn't it? Because you're sort of fighting against history because the the you know partially the you know nineteen ninety-two splitting away of the Premier League was kind of part of that because yeah, um, you know, certainly those yo-yo years from eighty-nine to ninety-three it didn't sort of really bother me that we were in the second flight. You know, no. you actually won slightly more games. They're similar teams. The football maintains a sort of similar quality. But then yeah. And also there's became... excitement,
3: isn't there, because you're in a yeah. battle constantly. And and it, I found in those years that when we were battling at the top of the, the second tier, it was much more exciting
0: yeah. than being
3: yeah. in the mid-table in the top tier. Because actually you stop caring who the team you're playing against R. You just play yeah. what's in front of you. And suddenly, if your main bloody competition for a playoff spot is Swindon Town, then playing Swindon Town feels every bit as exciting as playing Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. Do you
0: That's- know, what I mean,
3: everything's relative in football.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes. uh, No, it's interesting. Um, We should probably talk about... (laughs)
3: um, uh, We actually agreed before the podcast that the Super League was not (laughs) worth talking about because everything had been said. Yes. But it's quite strangely addictive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yes. I mean, there's there's more to say, in a way. Maybe we'll talk about the game and then we'll say a bit more (laughs) because I've sort of got things that I now want to say. Anyway, (laughs) so we played Chelsea (laughs) at the weekend.
2: Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike.
0: Cooler.bike, e-bikes that are cool AF. We played Chelsea at the weekend and, um, you know, a couple of bits of press coverage I saw sort of articulate, you know, Jacob Steinberg in the Guardian and um, oh, I can't remember the other one, sort of articulated what I thought was that there was a little bit of, it feels like a little bit of a bridge too far. There was some fatigue there. It was a tired, it was a sort of limp, ineffective performance from West Ham. That said, uh, we played a team that spent 200 million pounds in the yeah. summer, 150 million of it on strikers. And there was only one goal in the game, you know. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I don't I actually don't agree with that. I think that this was a game where we were playing a really good team, right? Yes, Ch- yes. Chelsea are, have, have become a good team now. They're in the cup. They're in the semi final of the Champions League. They were. They should, on the basis of their squad, have compete. I I expected them to be City's main competition. Oh, I expected yeah. them to, to, to be yeah. with City and Liverpool this season, and Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, uh, But they, and I think they will next season. I think it will be them versus City for the league next season, right? They were, they're really good. They're really well organised. They're not thrilling yet. They might be next year. But what they are is that, and we matched, this was an even game. Yeah. They nicked with one goal, and that's it. And the reason we might have looked, we didn't look fatigued. We just looked less buccaneering and extravagant than we did against Leicester and Wolves and Arsenal. Because we were playing a team that was much better organised and much more defensively sound than that, yeah, yeah, and and just tactically went up better against us. So that to me is it. And you know, on top of that, we are missing. You could argue. Oh god, yeah. Four yeah, yeah. key players. The, the spine four, of the four, team, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not
2: sure about the fatigue thing. I thought, I thought, you know, once again, you know, they ran and ran, and and uh, I thought they put up a, a decent show, especially second half, and especially after the sending off. In me, in yeah. many ways, um, yeah, I think you're right, Sam. I think I think Tuchel is a very, very, very good manager. We're about to see over the coming seasons just how good he is. Mm. Um, you don't rise to the top that quickly at that age without without having, there being something to it, and. They gained that, man- it was absolute uh, game. Man, they got that goal actually against the run of play when
3: they scored absolutely, the goal. although absolutely. they'd started well, as they pointed we out on the commentary. I brought Chris yeah. Coleman, who uh, I it, noticed oh, on social media, divided opinion.
2: No, breath of fresh air, I thought. But I so thought was a,
3: he was good. And I thought he yeah. was very positive about West Ham throughout. So maybe that's why I thought he was good. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he said, he, he, you know, he was really praising us. And then they went on their lap, And he said, quite rightly, that was against the run of play. Yeah. And it was. It felt a bit like a sucker punch goal. It was just one of those goals where it was like, bam, bam, bang, bang. How did that happen? You know?
2: Yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got a tendency, when we play with the three at the back, there's a slight tendency when they drop deep to all drop on a line around the edge of the six-yard box, and then there tends to be that space around the penalty spot that yeah. you're so often Rice picks up. Yeah, Rice yeah, steals, totally Rice steals, snuffs those things out. Um, and Suchek almost got to it, didn't he? You know, bless him. Yeah, there was uh, a strange yes.
3: hesitation between him yeah. and Albuena. Like, I think yeah. Suchek could have got it, but he thought he might score an own goal.
1: That's yeah, what it looked maybe.
3: like to me. It yeah. looked like he, he was going to get his... Telescopic leg to it, and then he sort of pulled it back a bit, and then he, then him and Balbuena sort of looked at each other a little bit like Laurel and Hardy, you know, like what mm. what happened there. But I think that Suchek thought if I make connection, yeah. it might go in, so I'll leave okay. it for Balbuena. But,
2: but it well. was a good ball hit with pace. I mean, the, it was a good the, goal. For I, I for felt that the it cross, wasn't like a fuck up, you know. It was no, a, well, yeah, exactly.
3: That, exactly. That's the other thing. It was just a goal. It was just a one 0 against yeah, a good absolutely. team. Yeah. you know, against a team who, who cost loads more than us when we were missing all of our but most of our key players. And if Rice had yeah. been playing, I think we would have at least nicked a draw in that game.
2: You yeah. Know, so. I, I felt we deserved a draw, to be honest. I thought yeah. we, were, we were worth the point. Um, second half, I thought we had a really good spell, um, you know, where we created some chances and, and, and kept the ball well and, 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 you know, worked it around and look, and looked threatening at times. But I, I, you know, having said all that, I, I kind of, I kind of agree. For I, I think it, it does feel we've hit a bit of a wall. Um, you know, with the injuries mounting up, and eventually, you know, you can't keep sustaining a level of performance without Rice and Antonio. Um, uh, you know, they're such important players for the way that the, the team functions. Um, and, you know, we've been hanging on in there, those three twos, you know, just the battle back against Newcastle, you know, very nearly got something out of that. But there's that sort of sense of sort of slowly clinging yeah. onto something and kind of sliding yeah. down, like Wiley but, you know, sliding that, that, down a wall, you know. My
3: attitude towards this season is, right, we cannot, and I know you two haven't done this, I listen to pod every week, so I'm not accusing you, but I will not allow myself to have any sense of uh, negativity, right, I, I, or disappointment, no matter what happens. Because we have sat for even in the lifespan of this podcast, right, we have sat through almost constant shit, right? <laughs> and yeah, this yeah. season, no matter what we're doing, and this season, we have won more games than we've lost, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah.
3: And and we have had some incredible performances, some uh, magical moments that will live in our memory forever. You know, certain moments like Lingard's, so many of Lingard's goals. I mean, you know, obviously Lanzini against Spurs. All of these things. It, It doesn't matter what happens in these last five games. It matters for Chelsea and it matters for Liverpool because these are clubs who plan, build everything around an expectation to finish in that top four. And to not do so is a bloody disaster. For us, we're expecting a relegation battle. This season began with everyone going mental over the fact that we'd sold Grady Garner, a player who yeah. hadn't even played for us for over a year. Um, and everyone, including me, by the way, acted like... It was almost as extreme as the response to the Super League announcement. <laughs> they sold Diego. Yeah. They sold Diego. Yeah. Now it's like, oh yeah, remember Great Diego? Do you remember when we thought a lot of people
0: remember where they were when they it's heard like, that Great was, like- <laughs> was going to be yeah. sold?
3: Everyone reacted like JFK had been shot or Diana yeah. had died, all over, yeah. all at once. Imagine yeah, yeah. if it all happened on the same day, right? Um, Um, Yeah, that
0: Grady D'Angana's mum's house had uh, 150,000 bouquets of flowers (laughs) up against the gates.
3: It's like, we were like... like, Burst into tears. It was peak West Ham. It was peak West Ham in terms of our tendency, and I do include myself, so I'm not, you know... Because I was furious about it, and you go, "Ah, oh, <laughs> we've got our club's dead. We've got to get them out of this club. You have murdered our club. Yeah. You have you have murdered the ghost of Bobby Moore, right? <laughs> what? What? By selling Grady Diangana to West Bromwich Albion for eighteen million pounds, this club is over. I'm tearing <laughs> up a season ticket, yeah. right? Everyone's going fucking bananas, backshit mental, right?" And now there are five games to go. We are fifth, right? And we are three points off the Champions League. And just that, I'm happy to celebrate now. And if we lose our last five, I refuse to have sat through the shit we've sat through and then still be a moaning dickhead after the season we've had. Because my attitude is, if you're a West Ham fan and you're not, and you're anything other than totally delighted at the moment, yeah then you know you you should really consider switching teams because yeah. i will tell you now it might and it might be a bleak thing to say but it might not get better than this certainly not yeah. when it happens because once a decade we have a good season worryingly we we've, we've had if that can sure. con- yeah. continues right we won't have one next decade well, no, we've, this is 2021, so we've gone too early. We've oh got yeah, nine, yeah, We've got true. nine, yeah, sorry, we've yeah, got yeah, nine yeah. fucking years now yeah. to, to wait, right? Because
0: I do it, my teca- decades like in tax decades. So, oh, from, right, okay. So from 2005 to
3: 15. Yeah, of course. I forgot yeah. you did that. Yeah, I did, but yeah. the but you know, like in the 80s we had 86, right? Yeah. Uh, it, in in the 90s we had this, I think one season under Redknapp where we finished fifth.
0: Yeah, right. 97,
3: And then we had, then we uh, had a, 99. Then in the noughties, we had a, a, the season we got to the cup final. And then in the 2010s, we had the Pyatt season, right? Yep. And when you have these seasons, because I've been there for all of them, you go, wow, this is just the beginning, lads. Wait until you see in the summer when we sign some new additions and build on these foundations to make ourselves even better. Yeah, But unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. So you might as well fucking relish this now because you could be waiting another 10, 15 years for it to happen again. A couple
0: of weeks ago, you know, I I sort of said that when we were getting into... uh, And in fact, Mark Noble made a good point when a microphone was thrust into his face. He sort of said, you know, we're in a really good position now. And when we get into single figures, number of games left... I hope that we're in a position where we can sort of play with a bit of freedom and stuff. What unfortunately has happened is that injuries have occurred at yeah. exactly that yeah. point. So it's yeah. difficult. And, and, but, but also, you know, a couple of weeks into, you know, probably at the, at the time we were getting into kind of eight games left, I just thought, I want to beat the 2016 point total. That's all I want and that would all we've, we've, we've only got to get eight more points to do that and if we do that that'd be great. it's not that I don't want something better than that obviously. <laughs> You yeah, hate yeah. this club, Phil. You Yeah, hate this club. Yeah. Like, yeah. On social yeah. media, you say people sort of saying I would settle for blah 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 blah, and people go, "You
3: monster! Yeah. You this is despise it. this." This is club. exactly the sort of attitude that's held this club back. Right? Yeah. Like, well, no, because my attitude right, has no bearing whatsoever, yeah, won't have, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the outcomes of this team. Unfortunately, I wish it did because I wish that you know I had control of the team, right? Yeah, but what I say on Twitter or on a podcast has no bearing. It's just my own personal opinion, right? Yeah. My personal yeah, opinion yeah. is you you really I will be fucking delighted. I mean, we could lose the last five games, right? Or we could win all five of them. But I'm just gonna be delighted from here on in, right? Yeah. And I, to be honest, I've been delighted for most of this season because it's just been nonstop. And even even in defeat against Newcastle, it was a, you know, you've got to think we were 10 men and we got back to two all. That is incredible. Yeah. That shows incredible character. Against Chelsea, with the bare bones of a squad left, you know, with our a, a, a reserve right-back playing left wing-back, right? Yeah. Uh, all of these things stacked against us. You know, two of our first-choice centre-backs out, That our only centre-forward injured, our captain I, 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 and best-player injured...
2: I totally agree. There were things about that I didn't come away, that gutted from that Chelsea game because no. there were things about that, that Chelsea game that was so different from just about every other West Ham Chelsea game you've watched in the last you know decade yeah.
3: or two. Was oh, well, we, we, we had to, a to lot to of the football we felt equal. We, we felt equal. Yeah,
2: they were sitting back defending and we were trying to break them down. Yeah. When has that yeah. ever happened? You know, in living memory. Big in a clubs West Ham are treating game. us
3: with respect. When we play Everton, which is the, when you look at our remaining pictures, Massive game, is. is the one that we most, is the the one that you're going to worry about a bit more, right? Yeah. Everton, we've already beaten them at Goodison. And Everton will be really, it will be tough because they might defend against us. And, and generally speaking, we're, we're better against teams who come at us. Yeah,
2: well, I think that's that's the difficulty of the remaining fixtures is that is that we've got to find ways of breaking uh, teams down. Teams also one or two, you know, Burnley coming off the back of a very good result, mm. Um, mm. and you know, traditionally bully us at the back, you know, Wood and and um, Barnes and whatnot. They, mm. You know, they they are they, physical and they they tend to you know uh, bully us a bit. Um, Brighton, we we really struggle with their There bit are bogey team. Too. Yeah, yeah not uh um, well so I, th- I think, you know I, I, games. Let me, I let think me you know the, the games.
0: uh both Steve Bruce and uh, Tuchel had obviously seen the three previous games where we'd scored three in the first half hour and set out to contain us so that that didn't happen again. So when you go, when you reach a kind of half hour into the game point, a third of the way through the match and you haven't scored, it becomes a different game than the ones we were used to where we flew out the blocks. And uh, we, you know, we have to, you know, learn how to deal with that and whether that's just keeping to the game plan and sticking on being patient. Um, Again, sort of having rice... Missing uh, doesn't help with that. There were times because Newcastle I, sat deep, we were not sort of swift enough with movement with the ball. From yeah, there.
3: yeah. I mean, Rice is great at launching counter attacks, he moves it yeah. quickly, and that's when we're good. And, but what we are, our attacking threat comes from being explosive. Yeah. Right? We've got those explosive players like Lingard and Bowen, and when everyone's fit, Antonio up front is such a handful. And that's why we break out defense, and 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 Rice and Suchek are able to look up and play first time balls out. We know yeah. Noble loves if he, he prefers to take between eighteen and thirty touches before yes. releasing the ball. Yes. That's just what he enjoys, right? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And so
3: you don't have that, and you don't have that explosiveness. And if and if teams sit really deep, or you know, just it's it's hard because. They, what they've done is they've stemmed that flow. If the ball reaches Bowen, uh, yeah, Bowen or um, Lingard on the break and they're in space, they can both run like 80 yards in a couple of seconds. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They're just, yeah, they yeah. just bomb and then suddenly you are we're in a goal-scoring opportunity. That is why I believe, and I've always had a funny feeling, that Ben Rama, who was the big story, um in, at the beginning of the season and we all thought he was going to be the saviour and then it turns out he's a bit of a cameo and we talked about him before and like, you know, do you mm. rate him, do you not rate him? And he's gone very off the scene over the last few weeks, right? Very off the scene, like, yeah, has made his mind up, no, four nows, it's going to be four nows and and, um, and Ben Ryan must be thinking, God, even with the injuries, I'm still not, I'm still only getting cameo roles. But, I've always had a feeling that Ben Rama will play a big role in this Me? running, right? He will yeah. get. And, and Jim, you said
0: this a couple of weeks ago. And times. if
3: we're playing, so, yeah. if we're playing teams who are going to sit deep, right, and are hard to break down, you need that one player who's going to just be able to pull something outrageous out, right? And I think we've got two players who can do that because even Lingard, who I think's wonderful, he's not a player. What he does is he'll accelerate past people. But you know when they're sitting deep and you can't do that, you need some of a trick. And that is Ben Rama and Masuaka, are the two players in our team, who can do that, who can beat tight markers with tricks and skill. And I think yeah. that Ben Rama should start these next few games. I yeah. don't know who in plays on, but I think he should.
0: Uh, you know it's it's it, again on social media there's a sort of conclusion that that David Moyes hates Ben Rama mm. and uh, he's not a Moyes player he hates him he was sort of foisted on him by by Sullivan and Gold but uh, but i think really in these last few games the truth is that he's playing five at the back in these games and he prefers Mark Noble in the middle of the pitch to be yeah. a Declan right Ry- a direct Declan yeah. Rice replacement and so there's no place for Ben Rama he hasn't been it's no. not, you know, I, I if, think, you, if you had if you had if you had one spot in your team and you had, you know, Ronaldo and Messi and you picked one of them, it doesn't mean you hate the other one. And and I I I, I, I agree. i I like what I've seen of Ben Rama. And you know, he 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 just hasn't played in the last few years. I mean
3: when you play a team that defends like we came up against with Newcastle. Uh, that sit deep, and and Burnley will do that. These teams, you know, a lot of them still aren't completely safe from relegation, and so they cannot afford to lose, and they will sit deep because they'll think that's the best way of, um, you know, combating the threat on the break of Lingard and Bowen. Mm-hmm. And I would say you should probably play Ben Rama in place of as much as like I like Four now's Four it, it was is kind of playing as a, you know, as a. What an attack central attacking midfielder, so, yeah, really, yeah, kind of
0: like a number 10 link but up more, man.
3: Moyes loves him because he also works as well as attacks. Yeah, I think you just got to let Ben Rama roam free. We've seen him do it, for instance, against Leeds, right? And yeah. he was yeah, yeah. fantastic. Had a good, he's, had a couple, he's had a couple of games where he's been man of the match, and it usually comes against these slightly smaller sites, I think.
2: Mm.
3: And um, I think he should play instead of four nails. In the in the next few games and see how he gets on because I think we're going to need him. And been- I'd be
2: bolder. I'd be bolder and I and I'd play him for Noble. Uh, and I and I'd say yeah, for four I'm hours right. you'll have to just drop a little bit and you'll have to play alongside Suchek in uh, in midfield. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think we've got to go. I mean, these five games they will go. I think they've shown signs over the last few games that they're going to attack teams. They're going to try and win the games. Yeah. Uh it's shit or bust isn't it really? We've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Um that's apart it there's, 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 prize there's money a, or whatever, you know, there, there's, and, no on there's, there's no pressure on Moyes. There is no pressure on Moyes. And um you know, I, it looks like increasing like Rice might well be back even for perhaps Everton. Um
3: he's back in light training apparently. Back in light training. Mm, so yeah. we've got
2: we I and mean, we've got Masihiko coming back, possibly Cresswell coming back as well. Um so that will improve the delivery into the box um and and, and so on because I thought you know, there were some things that were a little bit disappointing about the Chelsea game that kind of reverting back to some of the things that we were saying earlier in the season. Final ball wasn't final that ball, good. Yeah. Some of the set pieces weren't as impressive as they as they have been. You've got Noble floating the ball in again. You know, how long, how many years have been watching that happen, you know, instead of whipping it in. Um So I feel, um, you know, we've got to attack these teams. It doesn't matter if we, you know, in the end we we might go down I'd want us to go down heroically, uh, going going all guns blazing if if, yeah, if yeah. we do. And and who knows, you know, we can dream. I mean, if we win these five games, we'll probably do it. We'll probably uh, uh, yeah. but we might have to come close to a doing that to actually achieve it, I
3: think. Yeah, yeah, I think, listen, you're you're absolutely right. And I found that quite Churchillian, what you just said. And I <laughs> think uh, if I had my way, I'd give you a go in the dressing room before game. Although we've got, you know, for once, not like in the days of Pellegrini or Alan Kerbishley, when you're worried about where the vote oh, is coming from. You know, I think we've got a good, really good dressing room on that front. But I think, listen, you know, I just say to all West Ham fans, what you are living through now... Is the stuff dreams are made of? Five games, five winnable games between us and the Champions League, right? Do or die. A load of a load of really exciting attacking players who, who who generally play with a real smile on their face, enthusiasm. This is what we've lived through all the years of just crappy football, disappointment, indignity at times, right? We've all had to suffer that. So you really have to make the effort to savor what's happening now. Well, yeah, we lost to Chelsea. Teams, I think maybe you said last week, Phil, in in response to the Newcastle game, you can analyse it as much as you want, but sometimes teams just lose football matches, right? Yeah. And and that's it. We haven't, no one's been humiliated. It wasn't, how many times have you seen West Ham lose because the players just didn't really turn up or the manager didn't really make an effort? This doesn't happen now, does it? It doesn't happen. So yes, we've lost games. So what? Yeah, I mean um, Manchester
0: missed. City lost to Leeds, you know, and they're they're like yeah. at the top of the table. But it's like I don't think there's an expectation that because nothing. with eight, eight games to go, Manchester City were at the top of the table. That must mean they're not going to lose another one of those eight games. Of course yeah. they are, because that's how football works. You yeah, and that's what makes football them.
3: great. But we're yeah. not we're losing with a little bit of dignity, which is something that we didn't, you know, we we have not always done. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know. I can't believe it—the amount of years and the amount of money we spent on watching my stamp. When you know that a large number of games, we're not only going to lose, we're going to lose without looking like we've even tried to win.
2: I mean that—that that, you know, even when we had
3: good, you know good
2: teams and good seasons and we enjoyed the football, I, you know, thinking sort of late nineties, early was under Redman, mm. we would still regularly get turned over four oh. nil. We would like, get crashed
3: oh away, yeah, yeah. usually away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we would we yeah. would have good times at and park, but away, you'd kind of like if I hadn't gone to the game, I didn't go in those days to lots of away games, go to a few, but if I wasn't at the away game, I'd barely like look out for the score. I'd just because I'd think, well, we're away today, which means we will lose. If we yeah. are playing in the north of England. We are going to be thrashed by someone. We would
0: get done by Bolton 6-0, wouldn't we? We got done by Everton 6-0 one year, and those are all in the yeah. Redknapp years, I think. You yeah. Know? Um, and with a team that, you know, had Di Canio and Joe Cole and Trevor Sinclair. Right? Redknapp that, Ren- that Ren- Ren- was...
3: literally thought away games were silly, right? It was a away game. I let Frank Senior deal with them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'd take a week off when we got one. Yeah. They make, apparently, it's something to do with the rules, but they make you go and play other, in other teams' stadiums. <laughs> Which seems ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. right? I, I don't believe that football should be allowed outside of the East End. <laughs> <laughs> That's I right. That's right. let Frank Senior take care yeah. of it. He's, he seems to enjoy it. <laughs>
0: um, you know, one of the big talking points of the game was the VAR decision, no. wasn't it? Uh, which was, well, uh, you know... A contest, of idling, personally. Oh, uh, the handball? Yeah. I, Did you I, think that I, was a handball? Um, well, I think the
2: handball law has been so buggered up that nobody knows whether they're coming or going with it. But mm. in actual fact, you often judge by a player's reaction. If, if, if a player knows he's given away a penalty, they often do that big kind of I didn't touch him, ref, whatever. Yeah. Instantly, uh, Aspen Acqueta did the kind of oh, my arm was by my side. Mm. But what he did with his arm by his side is move his entire body along with his arm <laughs> <Yeah>. to block <laughs> the ball. Yeah, that's that his true. hand ball. doesn't yeah. matter where his fucking hand was. He stopped the ball going towards the goal deliberately. I don't think he deliberately intended to use his hand to do it because it was a bit of body involved as well. But he deliberately stopped the ball going towards the goal.
3: We've had a softer handball penalty given against us this season, I'm sure. I can't remember Definitely. the one. It was well, we, more a penalty we, than the
2: Newcastle one that was given. It yeah. was more
3: a penalty than that. And, and mm. I just think, Jesus Christ, the thing is, I don't under, and I don't mean this facetiously, I don't really know the rules of football now. So when it when things like that happen and people get irate, I kind of don't get that irate because I think, well, it looks like, a, I think it looks like a penalty to me. But I don't know what the rules are about handball. Well, they changed it.
2: They've changed and, it during the season. Even they've yeah, exactly. changed the handball
3: law since we've been doing this stuff. Like, I don't, I, I don't get an irate. I don't get irate with the referee, right? When the referee makes a decision that that I because I think that's probably based on the rules. That he's yeah, that's had, right. I mean, his job is to interpret the rules. And then I, but I don't know the rules because they change too often. And I just, I I ain't got enough fucking time to keep up with all these different rule changes. I do know in the case of Balbuena, as I understand it, that he was sent off just, that was a sending off because there is a rule about kicking the ball too hard. And apparently he was shown a straight red for simply kicking the ball too hard, which is a new directive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> if you kick the ball too hard, i don't know how they measure it i think it's based almost on like there's a panel and they watch it and he's like you've kicked that too hard it was aggressive it could have it could you could have taken someone's head off yeah and it's just not it's not the sort of thing we want to see in the modern game it's going know. to be
2: controversial when the first goal is disallowed because the ball
3: was kicked too hard yeah well you don't see many how many goals do you see? Scored from outside the area these days. Much like, if you watch yeah. match of the 70s, right, or the big match on ITV4, right, non stop fucking screamers on muddy pitches from like 50 yards out. Now, because
0: the ball was so heavy that there's sort of Newton's laws of motion coming, like it's like a, a cannonball that gains energy as it travels further. Yeah. That, that ball was so heavy, they used yeah. to break the net, it used to get stuck in the stanchion, didn't they? Yeah,
3: but that like, is that it. Whereas now, no, I mean, there was apparently a lot of people say that Lanzini's goal against Tottenham. He was lucky not to have been sent off for that. Yes, yes, he on. was very lucky. Send- your only hope
0: sometimes, in if in if you don't want uh, the follow through to connect with the player, is if you if your leg uh, achieves that crucial speed of eighty eight miles an hour <laughs> disappears and turns <laughs> up in nineteen fifty five before that kind of it bad. hits Ben Chilwell, yeah. and then and then the leg and the leg in nineteen 19- nineteen fifty-five, uh tries to find Ben Chilwell's parents and stop them from having <laughs> Ben Chilwell. Or if it can't, it just kicks. Uh, Mate, it just kicks that Ben
3: Chilwell's. Was, dad. That actually was a strip in Roy the Rovers in the eighties. Uh, uh, young, young, young Billy Chilwell uh, was struck by lightning whilst kicking a ball at the velocity of 88, <laughs> 88 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. next thing you knew, he found himself playing in an FA Cup final in 1955. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, uh, uh, back to the food tray. It was about Paolo Futre. Yeah. <laughs> back to the food tray. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, um,
2: of course, it has been rescinded the red card as we oh, it? Knew, it, knew it would. Yeah, yeah. it's, like getting,
0: I mean, it's, it's and just I fucking insane, though, isn't it? it I mean, a I just astonishing decision. And, and now, you know, you know, it's a bit like the European Super League. It's like the, um, the, the. You know, the pundits on all of the sports channels are just openly hostile to it in their match coverage now. Just basically yeah. going, "This is stupid," and I just wonder whether the. You know, anything will happen because you're just going. What I mean? What is? I'd like to go to Stockley Park and just see what you know, see what it's like. It's just, they sort of probably portray it as like you know, Mission Control in Houston in the NASA years, but it's oh, it's probably my I mean, coats. Yeah, it's probably you know, it's more like the place Jack Nicholson has to go to in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You it, know what it, I mean? it it, yeah, exactly.
3: Or like you know, like when a James, ship
0: of fucking fools.
3: You, you know, like um, in Man with the Golden Gun. And uh, Scaramanga has his sort of volcano lair, and everyone goes around in white coats and sort of golf buggies. That is how they're trying trying to say it's like that, but no. It's just like like Dinner Ladies, that Victoria Woods sitcom.
0: Yeah, it's probably like a care home or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Where basically they're just watching television and they don't really know what they're watching, but they just like the color and the movement. Yeah, but I mean, uh,
2: that was, there were two elements to that. Uh, Well, let's go. I think there are three, you know, uh, abysmal elements to the um, to that sending off. One, Chilwell's reaction, which which was shameful, because he he was up and bouncing around or was so that was you know. But we see that a lot from from players nowadays. Second was the kind of time it took VAR, you know, slowing it down. You know, it should have just the referee hadn't given anything. He's kicked the ball and followed through. The bloke's run onto the end of his foot and you know it's not even a foul move on um but then when the referee goes to look at it he is the only person in the universe who looks at that and says that's that's a red car everybody else yeah. like, oh not a foul that's okay he's just kicked the ball and couldn't help it the bloke's run into his foot as it's yeah. followed through um and it's the it's a referee wanting it to be about him again he's like you know mike dean the you know son of dean isn't he i, I it's yeah. got to be about me i've got I've, my ego i i really wish uh one of the things i've i've always kind of um i used to like about cricket when i used to watch a lot of cricket was that a lot of the umpires were former players they played the game they yeah, knew absolutely. the game uh not 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 you know from the players perspective. And I wish, you know, I wish we wrote in you know instead of fucking around all this money and agents, whatever, why don't you when you set up the Premier League and you're gonna get go, it's gonna be the best thing, why don't they set up a system where we, we're gonna play pay referees really good money and we're gonna get ex pros
3: to come in and be referees because they understand ah, and know I would love I would love to see Graham Sooness referee again. <laughs> <laughs> actually be out there on the pitch in the black uniform and everything, right? I'd fucking love that. It'd be amazing. I mean, genuinely, it'd be really good. I mean, a lot of these referees not being funny. I mean, it sounds like I'm just being silly or cheap, but they're really out of shape, which partly offends me because I sort of think this is this just this bad reflection on a professional sport that the guy who's supposed to be running around and keeping up with this game just looks amateurish, right? And that 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 that's poor. Graham Souness, no one's gonna give him back chat. He'd be very <laughs> quick to make firm decisions, wouldn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite Graham Souness stories is uh, from Kieran Dyer's autobiography, which is a really good book. And he, when Graham Souness first turned up at Newcastle, the story was, was that he was supposed to he was supposed to be kind of giving a shake-up because the dressing room had got a little bit anarchic and out of control under Bobby Robson. So Bobby Robson was too old and nice, sort of thing. And so all these players like Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer and Craig Bellamy were out of control. So Newcastle thought, right, well, we better get Souness in. And within the first week, uh, Kieran Dyer got arrested for being pissed <laughs> up, up the tube, right? And <laughs> he, they had him in a cell. And they put a call in to Graham Souness. and Graham Souness had barely spoken to Kieran Dyer because it was his first week. So Kieran Dyer thinking, "Oh, for fuck's sake, they've called the manager because I think the man, I think they'd had an arrangement with the police if any of my players come in, call me." So the man, so Graham Sunnis turns up in the car, comes to the cell. They let Kieran Dyer out. Kieran Dyer goes, "All right, boss, I'm sorry." Souness says nothing. Right, walks out, gets in his car. Kieran Dyer gets in the car next to him. Drives in complete silence to Kieran Dyer's house. Kieran Dyer's just sat there thinking, what the fuck's going on? Why isn't he saying anything? This is so weird. Oh, my God. What's he going to do? And sort of towards the end of the journey, he's thinking, maybe I've just got away with it. And they pull up outside his house, and he opens his door and goes, uh, cheers, boss. And he goes, all right. And he goes, oh, and Kieran. And he goes, yes, boss. And he turns around right. and he goes, if you ever do anything like that again, I will beat you up. <laughs> and it's the one, he just said it very calmly and fixed him in the eye when he said it. And, here and I just goes in the butt, and I knew he meant it. There was no sort of like overblown kind of. I will beat. I will break you, or I will grind you into ground Just like if you do that again, I will beat you up. <laughs> okay, understood. <laughs> because ultimately, no one wants to be beaten up, do they? And no. with that attitude, I think he would make a superb referee.
0: Yeah, or like a sort of head boy at a school, like Flashman.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like yeah. Threatening
0: to beat people up.
3: Oh, you wouldn't want to be beaten up again, <laughs> would you, Dyer?
0: <laughs> it, would be, it would be good if there was a sort of series of beatings at the end of every training session based on sort of miscreants from the but,
3: squad. Uh, Jim, at, the, at your school, is there an official school bully who wears a top hat and is allowed to beat the school as <laughs> well? Good Lord, no. No, 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 no. Are you sure? Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, things have moved on. Really it's all now. done
0: by um, WhatsApp these
3: days, isn't it? Jim? <laughs> oh, is there a school cyberbully? <laughs> <laughs> there is.
2: There's always cyberbullying. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no official. Uh, but, well, if there is, nobody knows
3: who it is. It's not officially he hides behind and sponsored by a local business like they used to be <laughs> in the old days. A local estate agent.
0: Twelve bullies have broken away and formed their own league. Of <laughs> they just bully each other and no bully is relegated. An to elite
3: people. bully league. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Yes. Okay. Well that's um that's probably uh that's probably it for oh, this podcast. We'll we've
3: been going on for fucking covered, uh, ages.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh so uh we've got Burnley, haven't we? Next Monday, is that Yeah. Monday? So we've got a good good long rest uh for our tiny squad of players to try and sort of get their breath back after the yeah. Chelsea game. But um uh, and maybe, you know, there might be one or two returning. Um, you know, hope so. Uh and possibly a slight shake up of the team. Um we hope for that too. He does seem to I mean, you know, he uh, he obviously really trusts Noble in that in that role. And sometimes when the team plays a bit, you know, the, the other team sort of uh gives us space to push forward. He's actually all right protecting the back four. But yeah, I think I, I when mean, we're finding it hard to break through, I think his, you know, the, the the sort of lack of speed and dynamism does hold us back a bit, you know. Yeah,
3: yeah. But, but I know, but I think he's done it. a good job. He has, yeah, yeah. He's totally. had to come in. He's he's, yeah. hard. he's done all right. He's never you, you can't compare no. anyone to Rice, let alone no, someone no. who's Noble's age. Because there's no one in the division who's as good as Rice. I don't think uh, in that position. But he's come in and he's done a solid job. And and I I would I think he'll continue. And but I would like to see Ben Rama brought in. Yeah, I, I think finish. so too. I think it will be a tough game this, but of course it'll be tough. And of course they just thrashed Wolves. And it's never easy going away to Burnley. But what we can say hand on heart, which we wouldn't have said in previous seasons when we had to face Burnley away, always tough game, is we are a better team than Burnley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are a better team than Burnley and that's what we need to remember going into it is that of course they'll defend, of course they'll put everyone behind the ball, but we are better than them and we should win it. And that's, yeah. that's what Moyes should tell the players, you know. Absolutely. Predictions then, Jim?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I I think we will. Uh, I think we will attack them. I think they'll sit deep. Um, I'm I'm relieved that Balbuena's uh, available because the, the those big three centre halves at the back, Dawson, Balbuena, and O'Connor are going to have a battle on their hands. But they're up. They're the kind of
3: Dawson kind of back. You, you. was it just the one game suspension? Yeah, because
2: yeah. it was two right. yellows. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, uh, I, I, and I'd like those three. I I, I like Diop as well, but I I just think we need to. It's going to be a war.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, I personally we need, think we need D- the Warriors. Diop's o- D- my least favourite of them. I think they're all good. Yeah. I think Diop yeah, D- does have a tendency yeah. to switch off occasionally. Yeah, a little bit. Um,
2: I've got to go. I've got it. We've got you know. We've got to stay. Keep the positivity. Two um, one. I, I think we're gonna. We'll we'll, we'll. we'll. It's gonna be tight. It's gonna be really tough, and it's gonna be messy. Mm. You know, but I think we'll we'll get we'll get a you know a chatty set-piece or something, and, yeah. and Lingard will do something spectacular.
3: 2-1, excellent. Sam? 2-1. Uh, yeah, I agree with how I think the game's going to go, but I think it'll be similar to like the games against was it Sheffield United, where it was like that, it was very tight, and we mm. and we nicked it, and, and Everton as well, late goals. So, yeah, 1-0, Thomas Suchek from a set-piece situation.
0: Mm. Yes, I wanted 1-0. Yeah. Um, it makes me makes me think. Anything else? I don't know. One or um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna say Burnley one, West Ham three.
3: We yeah. yeah. could happen. I mean, we were, we we're much yeah, better than could. them. So I mean, could yeah.
2: basically, that win made them safe. So that, mm. you know, they're not going to yes. beat somebody four nil, two nil, two two times running. You know, so they 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 spent a lot. They don't score many goals, and they spent a lot of their.
3: Their goal money. Their goal energy. Yeah. In, their, yeah. in that last game. So, um, keep yeah, this clip for next it. week. Maybe Jim. we'll keep this cl- the cold. Phil, click this out for next week. The exact yeah. Bit yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, they're yeah, not going to yeah, win 4 0 twice word. in a row. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Well, this has been Stop Hammer Time. My name's Phil Whelans, and with me this week have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Sam Delaney. Bye bye. Come on, you irons.
2: This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.